Well, good morning, everyone. Aloha. Welcome to Mission Church, and it is a joy to be with you today. I want to begin today by sharing the passage of Scripture. And so if you have your Bibles, or you want to whip out your cell phones, your smartphones, um, go ahead and open up to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, sorry, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses is repeating the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel here. And what I want to do is highlight the fourth command. And in the fourth command, there's something unique that Moses adds to the Deuteronomy passage that's different from the Exodus passage. And I just want to highlight that today and, and just kind of point out that before God gives the Ten Commandments, he does this in both the Exodus and the Deuteronomy passage. And he, he, he shares this right here, which I think is so important when we look at the whole context of what God has done in the nation uh, and to the people of Israel. And he begins before sharing the Ten Commandments by sharing this passage. And he says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And after he, he shares this, which is in both the Exodus and the Deuteronomy passage, he, he then gives the Ten Commandments. And you see, the, 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 I kind of paraphrased it. The first command is you shall have no other gods before me. And the second is you shall not make for yourselves an image in the form of anything on, in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. And then the third command says you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And then he starts on the fourth command. And, and if you have studied the, the Ten Commandments and, and you're familiar with them, you know that the, the first four commands has to do with our relationship with God. And it's, it's this part of the, the Ten Commandments that, that I think God elevates to make it a higher priority in, in how He gives it to us. And this is what's most important. And, and it, the, the first four commands culminate with the fourth command. And if you're familiar with the Ten Commandments, then the fourth command is familiar to you. It's, you shall observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons or daughters, nor your male or female servants, nor your ox or donkey, nor any of your animals, nor any of your foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Verse 15 right there is the unique portion of this part of Moses repeating the Ten Commandments to the nation of Israel, to the people there, that's kind of unique and different from the initial one that he gave in Exodus. And in the, in the fourth command, in this portion of Scripture that I shared with you, Moses gives actually two commands in, in this portion of Scripture. The first command he gives us is to obey the Sabbath. And that's pretty clear and that's what everybody focuses in on when we think about the fourth command. But here, in verse 15, there's this unique 
command that Moses gives that attaches itself to the very beginning before God gives us the Ten Commandments when he says, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of, with my outstretched arms. And, and as, he, as, as, as God introduces himself to the people that way, this gets tied into it. And here is a unique portion of this remembrance, this, this call to remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe, observe the Sabbath day. And um, these are the two things, the two commands that, that come in this, this fourth portion of the, the, the repeat portion that, that Moses gives to the people um, uh, of Israel. And, and they were, the, the, the Israelites were called to remember that they were slaves in Egypt and God brought them out of Egypt. And it's, it's interesting that the, the connection of God introducing himself at the beginning of the Ten Commandments and he ties this into the act of worship that, that he, he calls us to obey the Sabbath and to remember who God is in the midst of the, all of that. Because the fourth command is really, we all think it's about the Sabbath day, but in it, God commands them to remember their past and the slavery that they came out of and what God did to free them from their slavery. Now, when I initially wrote this sermon, I was in seminary, and, um, and so I, I, I've kind of brought this sermon back, but it's completely different from when I first wrote it. And, uh, and what inspired me to write this sermon was a song, actually, by, uh, by Stephen Curtis Chapman. And when I was in seminary, the song was very popular then. Very few of you probably know it now, unless you're as old as I am. And so the song is, is called Remember Your Chains. Just by a raise of hands, anybody remember the song Remember Your Chains? All the old folks in the church. <laughs> and here are the lyrics right here. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, a beautiful song, and Stephen Curtis Chapman, I don't know if, if, if it was a personal thing that he wrote about or if this was just um, um, the lyrics to the song, but he, he has an encounter with somebody that's a prisoner. And, and he says, I couldn't help but wonder what he was thinking as he stared out the window into the sky. It seemed he was taking his last look at freedom by the hopeless longing look in his eyes because there were chains on his hands and chains on his feet. And as I passed him by, the thought came to me. Remember your chains? Remember the prison that once held you before the love of God broke through? Remember the place you were without grace? Look and see where you are now. Remember your chains. And remember, your chains are gone. Wow. What this, what this, uh, this, this song, um, when, when I first heard it, 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 it just spoke to me because as, as he sung that, I can actually picture seeing um, a prisoner walking by and, and, and we've watched movies or maybe in real life seen people bound in, by chains because they're prisoners. And, and in this song, something about the prisoner seems so familiar to the singer 
But it wasn't his face or his eyes or his hair. What was so familiar, was interesting, is the chains that bound his hands and his feet. And as, it was as if the voice of Jesus was saying and asking him, do you remember when you were enslaved? Do you remember the chains that used to bind you? And, and, and that song, the question, right? Remember your chains? Remember the prison that once held you before the love of God broke through? Remember the place you were without grace? And what's interesting is that, if, as you look at the lyrics, the voice that's in his heart, that he's listening to, changes, and he's not asking the question anymore. Instead, he gives a command. Look, see where you are now. Remember your chains. Not a question. He's telling him, remember your chains. And remember that your chains are gone. We're called to remember, which is something that, that, that we do selectively, I think. So often, what sticks with people are, 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 the, are the, the hard and broken times, and, and we hang on to those things. I preached about this a little uh, a couple weeks ago, and it reminds me of a story um, of something that happened to me in my life when I was just a kid. My dad and I were sitting at the dinner table, and, um, and we're about to have dinner, and, and I, I meant to bring a little rice bowl that we used to eat from um, and, and kind of show you what it looked like. But just picture a little bowl. And he pointed to a specific bowl that was on the table that we had used every single night that had once broken and cracked in half. And, and because we were poor, <laughs> we used super glue and, and put the bowl back together. But left in the bowl was the crack that you could see that was there. And my dad pointed at that bowl and he said, Gordon, what do you, what do you see about that bowl? And I said, that it has a, a crack in it. And he goes, isn't that interesting? We use that bowl every single night for dinner. But when the first thing you look at it, you notice it's cracked. Shouldn't we often look for the greater picture of the beauty of that bowl and, uh, and, and what that bowl gives us every night instead of the flaw in it? And it has stuck with me all these years. And I think that my dad was trying to say something to me that I, I want to share with you, which is something that's so true. What, what, what do we remember about our lives? What do we remember about our past? So often, it's all of that negativity, the, 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 the places where we fell short, those times in our lives where we failed. We hold on to those things. We remember our chains. But sometimes we forget about what God has done in our lives that has freed us from those chains. And in this song, we sometimes fail to remember that our chains are gone. And far too many people, they only listen to the first half of that command or that song, remember your chains. And we hold on to our struggles and we hold on to our failures and we allow them to shape our identity. And when we see ourselves as our, only our failures, that, that, that gives a false sense of who we truly are because of what God has done for us. But when we only see our failures, that forges our identity. And then what happens is we become embondaged to those failures. 
We feel like we're tied to them all the time. And far too many people feel that way. Go back and listen to the sermon two weeks ago and, and you can hear the statistics of where people are at with that in this very day. It's a brokenness that so many people deal with. But in the command to Israel and in our message today, I want to bring a word to you that I hope you hear. And that is that God calls us to remember our chains, but it doesn't end there. The good news is that He tells us, because of what I have done, with my mighty hand and my outstretched arms, your chains are gone. And I pray that that is a message that we can hang on to and hold on today. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. To remember that you were once bound, but you are no longer bound. And the reason why God calls the people of Israel to remember this is because in their past, they were enslaved to Egypt for 400 years. And their identity was wrapped up as being slaves in Egypt. They were God's people, God's chosen people, but they, they never lived into the identity that God had for who they were. They were subjected to what what. Egypt wanted them to do. And because of their bondage, because they were bound to their slavery, they never got to worship God as God intended. For 400 years, they were slaves. And whatever Egypt told them to do, they had to do, and they were kept from worshiping God. Israel was identified as being slaves. And slavery has no Sabbath. Do you understand that? When you're in bondage, there's no rest for you, and there's no opportunity for you to worship the Lord your God. That's what happened to Egypt. They had no rest. They could not worship God the way God intended. And so in Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, Moses goes to the Pharaoh and he tries to get Pharaoh to allow his people to worship God. And hear, hear what happens. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. And then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Now let us take three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, or he may strike us with plagues or with the sword. But Pharaoh refused. And when Pharaoh refused, he his response, his response was this. That same day, Pharaoh gave this order to the slave drivers and the overseers in charge of the people. This is what Pharaoh said. You are no longer to supply people with straw for making bricks. Let them go and gather their own straw. 
but, re- but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They're lazy. That is why they're crying out. Let us go and sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for the people so that they keep working and pay no attention to their lives. And there you see the conflict. Israel, for 400 years, was in bondage to slavery to the Egyptians. No longer could they worship God, the Lord God that, they, they, that was their God. And Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, let, my peop- let the people go and worship. And, and what you will find whenever it comes to whatever that is that binds us and keeps us from worshiping God, whatever that is, it will not let you worship God as God intends it. Whatever you are inbound, whatever you're bound to, and here the, the Pharaoh is a great representation of that. The Pharaoh said, "Who's God that I should listen to him? No, let's make the work harder." Now I'm going to pause here and just give you a little commentary on my life when I was a kid reading this uh, for the first time. I used to think that masonry bricks were made out of straw because that's what it said, right? Don't give them straw. To make the bricks. But I thought, but I think what that means is the straw was used to stoke the fire, to make the fire, to, to fire the bricks. Is that right, Sam? Is that right? You don't know. <laughs> How many of you thought that bricks were made from straw after reading that? That's what I thought. Anyway, that's just beside the point. I was like, huh. But the Pharaoh said, don't give them straw and, and make them collect their own straw. And they made, that made the work even harder. And what God did after that was intervene. And, and, and I love that God intervened. You know why God intervened in this situation? Because God values the worship of his people. And God does not want people to be enslaved. And that, with that enslavement, keep them from, who, from worshiping who he is. And so God promises Moses that he will lead his people out of slavery, out of captivity, out of bondage. And in the next chapter, Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, here, listen to what happens. Therefore, this is what God says to Moses to tell Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with the mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I hope you begin to see the dots starting to connect with why God begins the Ten Commandments by telling the people of Israel who he is. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And when he begins to talk about worship, about the Sabbath day, why does he call them to remember? It's because they were in bondage for 400 years, kept from worshiping God. And now God sends Moses to intervene and says, let my people go so that they can worship God. Pharaoh says, no. And God says, all right. I'm going to step in 
And this is what I'm going to do. And beginning with the plagues, right, the ten plagues, God begins the process of freeing Israel from 400 years of slavery to Egypt. And with every plague that comes, God tells Moses to say to the Pharaoh, and he says these words, the Lord, the, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. And if you don't, then these things will happen. Frogs will come. Gnats, a plague of gnats, a plague of darkness. All of these plagues were preceded with Moses telling Pharaoh, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh continued to say no, and the plagues would come. And it would decimate Egypt. And the Pharaoh would relent and say, okay, go, 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 and change his mind, right? And you know the story if you read it there in Exodus. And after every plague, Pharaoh agrees, but then changes his mind. And each time his heart grew harder and harder and harder until finally the last plague comes, the plague of the firstborn. And it breaks Pharaoh's heart. And he finally, he finally lets the people go. He finally lets the people go. And when the nation of Israel gathers, where, where, where are we going, Moses? What do we do? God provides everything, every step of the way. I will give you a pillar of cloud to follow by day and a pillar of fire to follow by night. And so they have a direction. They're starting to go. Pharaoh changes his mind. Don't let them go. We won't have any more servants. So they go chase after these, the Israelites. They get to the Red Sea and they're stuck. A nation charging one way and then the, oh, the sea the other. Raise your staff. And then, just like how there is an aisle right here, <laughs> Moses raises his staff and the sea parts because God delivers his people. And they walk through the sea on dry land. Another miraculous sign until the Egyptian army comes and the water closes up. They're on the other side. God provides for them. Now they're wandering through the desert. And you know what God does? He sends food for them from heaven every single day. Manna from heaven. And when they're thirsty, there's water coming from the rock of Horeb. And over and over and over again, God provides for his people. First their freedom, and now their delivery. And finally they get to Mount Sinai, where God gives them the Ten Commandments. And the command is that you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols for yourselves. You shall not misuse the Lord's name. And remember, you know the Sabbath that you were not able to keep for 400 years because you were bound in slavery? This is your chance. This is your chance to worship me. And when God gave the people of Israel the opportunity to be free and to have a Sabbath... That Sabbath day was so that they could leave the identity of being slaves to being free to worship God freely. 400 years they were not able to worship. And now they can. And God says to them, don't forget, 
This is the reason why we have a Sabbath. Because you didn't get a chance to do it for 400 years, and now you can. And God reminds them who he is in the fourth command. And it makes sense now why in this command to to have a Sabbath, in a command to worship, he says to them, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. You weren't able to do it for so long. Now you can do it. You were slaves and not able to worship. I have freed you now. What he's saying is this. Remember your chains. But remember, your chains are gone. The exodus from Egypt was all precipitated by God's desire for his people to worship him. When you go all the way back to the beginning of why God brought the people out of Egypt was so that they could worship Him and be free to do that. And that's how important authentic worship is to God. As we gather on Sunday mornings in corporate worship, please, don't take this time lightly. We have our children here in the service so that they can see how their parents and the people of God worship. We are modeled to our children. And that's why we don't want to dismiss them to go to children's church. <laughs> we keep forgetting to do that. That's not true. But, <laughs> but what is true, what is true is, Rob, you and I, we get the chance to model worship for the children in church. Because that's how important it is for them to know who God is in our lives. And we get the opportunity to do it. And he's telling the people of Israel, you are now free. Observe the Sabbath and worship me. And you know what the crazy thing is about all this? The crazy thing is that you and I, we may not recognize it, but we share the same story as the people of Israel. We may not have been captive in Egypt, but I guarantee you that if you look into your past, you know what you're going to find? Your own Egypt. You're going to find something that had once bound you. You're going to find in your past, just like the Israelites Israelites found, that whatever it was that bound them didn't give them a Sabbath. And whatever it is that bind, bound you probably didn't give you one either. Sin is a 24-7 problem. It's constantly there. And you thought Pharaoh, you thought Pharaoh was bad? Sin is an even worse slave master. And just like Pharaoh that didn't, didn't let the Israelites go, never wanted to let them go, whatever it is that binds people doesn't want to let you go either. It keeps calling you back. It chases after you like the Egyptian army chased after the people of Israel. And the worst part about it is that whatever, whatever it is that binds people 
it loves that we become identified with them. Just like the Israelites were the slaves of the Egyptians. That's how they were known. What was it that bound you? That's how it, it wants you to be known by. But I want you to know that there's good news. And the good news is that God's love is greater than anything that binds. God's love is greater than any sin. And what God wants to happen is God, God wants more than anything for His love to break through and free people from whatever it is that binds us and keeps us from worshiping God the way God intends for Him for he to be worshipped by us. And what God does for the Israelites, God does for you and me. Christ came to set us free. When we accepted Christ, when we surrendered our lives to him, he became not only our savior, but when we gave our hearts to him. You see, we love to take all the great things that Jesus has to give, right? Forgiveness, eternal life. God, I'll take it all. And he becomes our savior. But God says, hey, what, what do you have to share with me now? And our answer ought to be, Lord, just as you've given me all, take all of me. And when you get to the place where you're ready to lay down your full self to the Lord, to, to Jesus, that's when Jesus becomes Lord. Until then, he's just savior, right? He saved you from your sin. But are you willing to follow in obedience? And when we decide we do, that is when he becomes Lord. And when Jesus becomes both Savior and Lord, the good news is that we no longer need to be slaves to the sin that once bound us. Church, look at your hands. Look at your feet. Look into your heart. Do you remember your chains? But more importantly, do you remember that your chains are gone? If you don't, and you still feel bound by things in your life, I have good news for you today. Today, you can be free. Today, you can be free. Because that's what Jesus came to bring. Freedom in our lives. But you know what the tragedy is for so many people? The tragedy is that we forget. We forget that we were free. We forget that Jesus came to free us from our sins in much the same way the Jews forgot about their past. In John chapter 8, verse 31 through 36, Jesus is, is, is talking with these Jews. And he says this, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, you hold to my teachings. If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And you know what they answered? You know what they said? We are Abraham's descendants. We have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? And Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And now, 
A slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. And if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. These Jews, they looked at Jesus and said, we've never been slaves before. And like Jesus was like, uh, Egypt, uh, Babylon, look at where you're at now. The Romans, they have you under their thumb. Hello. And not only that, you're all enslaved to sin. And all of that keeps you from worshiping God the way He desires you to worship Him. Remember your chains? But do you remember that your chains are gone? You don't need to be tied to the things in the past that hold you down. God has a better plan for that. Instead of allowing those things in our lives to be Lord over us, where we obey its commands, we turn to God and allow Jesus to be our Lord, submit to Him, surrender to Him, give your life to Him. And when Jesus is Lord, you know what He will do? He will set you free. As opposed to being bound by the things of this world. The sun sets you free. You are free indeed. Church, let's be reminded of what we have been freed from so that we can fully worship God as He intends for us to worship Him. Church, if there's anything that's still in your life that continues to bind My prayer is today that you would allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, to bring that to the surface so that we can pray and deal with this today. Because no one needs to leave here still bound. Let's give Jesus the best of who we are. Let's just surrender all of our lives to Him and be freed. Just as God freed the Israelites, let's be freed today. My prayer, and as we pray today, would you just... Would you allow the message today, if the Lord spoke to you, to just focus in on that? Forget about what's going on up here. Would you just close your eyes? And just join me in this prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord, that you came to free us from those things that bind us in this world, like you freed the Israelites, all so that we can have a new identity not one that is bound to slavery, but one that is free, free to worship you as you intended. Help us never to forget what it is that kept us from that as you have freed us. And Lord God, in these days we pray that if there are those in this church and you know who you are, the Lord's speaking to your heart. If people here 
continue to feel bound on a treadmill that they cannot get off by themselves. May we look to you, the God of the impossible, the God that can do all things, the giver of all grace, the strength of our lives. And Lord, as we seek you, we surrender, Lord God, who we are so that we can be your people. We pray for your forgiveness today. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for forgetting what we've been forgiven of. Forgive us, Lord, that we've gone down roads that we ought not to. Forgive us, Lord God, where we fall short. And forgive us if we have ever, Lord God, looked at those things and formed an identity and said that's who we are because we're not. We are a child of God. We are a one-of-a-kind, handcrafted masterpiece of God that no one else is like us. And because of that, you love us so much that you'd rather send your son to die on the cross than for us to taste the punishment of that. And so, Lord, free us, we pray, today. And for those that feel bound, We pray, Lord God, that we would be able to find and have the assurance, Lord God, that what your Son did on the cross would cover all all that we have done. That we are free, truly free. And may we not forget that. And I pray, dear Lord, that there are those that might struggle, that they would seek the help of the church. Lord, use me. Use the staff of the church. And if you hear my voice today, whether online or in this service, in our extension room, do not walk alone. Join in the community of those who are here that you can be. Join us in this journey of freedom. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for telling us who you are. You are the God that has redeemed us and brought us out of slavery with your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. And in our worship, help us, Lord God, to always remember what you freed us from so that we can continue to worship you. We love you, Lord God, today. And we thank you for hearing our prayers for freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Do not leave in bondage, but leave in freedom with the grace of God. Go, you are dismissed.